The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 35 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the membership director for Wealth Builders, and I'm joined by Mr. Kevin Whelan, the founder. Hello, Kevin. Good evening, Chris. Nice to talk to you again. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, you know, but I think we had such a tremendous response, didn't we, to a webinar we did earlier in the week with 200 registrations. And uh, although the subject was, you know, whatever, dry one, it's pillar two, it's pensions, but we introduced the whole idea of breathing new life into pensions because still the vast majority of people, Chris, out there are building their life hoping their pensions will do better next year and they hope it'll do better next year. And we found a way to breathe new life into pensions into something we have labelled the CPR, Chris, haven't we? The CPR, bringing a kiss of life to your pensions. Absolutely. And I guess we don't really want to ruin the surprise. And the webinar that we hosted last week, actually, was about 45 minutes long and we've decided to to replay it on this week's podcast episode because there's a lot of value there and we had such fantastic feedback. And we would really urge everyone listening to share this message because it's a really important one, isn't it, Kevin? Well, look, with so much money lost, forgotten, performing miserably, and we know this is money that can be brought to life and it can be used to build your wealth in ways that most people will never discover unless they hear it from somebody who's a bit more empowered. We just thought it was really important as we got the feedback. We were kind of shocked at how positive uh, people had reacted. So we just wanted to give everybody who uh, kind of is open-minded to seeing pensions in a new light to to kind of breathe new life into them. And let's hope, you know, you'll find some value yourself and please share it with one other person. Everybody's got a pension somewhere. So tell somebody else to listen to it, not just yourself. Mm. And of course, this was a live webinar. It was with slides. So you will hear us reference to slides. So if it at times doesn't make complete sense because we might be uh, referring to something on screen, then I think, you know, you'll still get the good grasp of it. And actually what we're going to do is put a link in the show notes so that you can watch the webinar replay, which we have online. And actually, we're also giving away a freebie. So make sure you listen all the way to the end and then do grab that freebie. And we hope that that is of value to you. So shall we uh, hand over to our recorded webinar from last week, Kevin? Okay. And listen, Chris, you have a great time in the States doing all your marketing stuff. And uh, I'll see you when you get back. Thanks, Kevin. See ya. Good evening to you. Good evening, everyone. Delighted. You know, I can't believe it. You know, 200 people want to know how they can make their pensions work harder. And isn't that a tiny number compared to the number of people who are just doing terribly Uh, with their pension funds. But anyway, let's give the people who turned up enough real good stuff so they can take some action, Chris. So one of the seven pillars, pillar number two is pensions, Kevin. And how how do people generally feel? Or we should ask actually everyone on the webinar tonight, why don't you put in the chat box? Just one word, word, maybe just one word that, that, that you feel about, you know, your future pensions, if they're not already... Those of you who are a bit smarter will already know some of the secrets we'll share. But if you haven't already taken full control of your pension, what is the what is the language that you're feeling 
when you think about your future pension returns. I hope Let's... Labour don't get in, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see what we get. Well, the first one, rip-off. Uh, we've got empty. We've got fear. What else we've got coming through here? Oh, Glenn saying curious. All right, so these are all, all different words. Helen, powerless. We've yeah. got nervous, risk. Okay, untouchable. So there you go. There's a there's a few. That's quite a lot. Mm. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Almost every pension that uh, you know people have got. Pretty much now, most final salary schemes are, are dead, and we're not going to talk about final salary schemes tonight because you know they're much more complex than we can get across tonight. But almost every other kind of a pension is invested in a market that it's simply beyond control. You know, nobody control it. Warren Buffett can't even control it. Nobody control it. And this goes back to the 2008 when people lost 30, 40% of their money in a heartbeat. And nobody took responsibility for that. It was just a loss of money with no possibility of being able to recover from that easily and certainly feeling powerless and helpless and empty and ripped off all those things that were, were saying before. And, and this is true of the way most people build their wealth, Chris. And we've got a picture of property here because, as we know, you know, again, back in 2008, a lot of people who perhaps were coming close to retirement and they were relying on their pension, their property, their investments. And there's just very little control, isn't there, across those? Well, this is the standard way that people build their wealth. So they have a job and then they pay all the taxes and all the national insurance and then every and they save what's left and they buy a home and that's fair play. They put some money in a pension and they hope things are better and they put money investments again, mostly in the stock market and they hope it works out. But the real challenge about that is there is no place to build wealth in the stock market. It isn't building because you can't build. All you can do is hope the diversification strategy works. So the only way it can work is if you take 40 years to do it. In other words, for the most part, it's just too slow. You can't control the risk. And the big word that we use a lot in wealth building is leverage. So there's no possibility to add value. There's no possibility to get more money in play. You can't use other people's money. You can't go to the bank and say, hey, I'm thinking about investing in the stock market. Will you lend me 100 grand? They'll tell you to, well, they'll say no. Uh, and that's the real challenge. Yet the way to build wealth, we know, is really all about using the right forms of leverage. Mm -hmm. And you know, so I think the words that people have used are the words that we hear all the time, Chris, which is you know, uh, all this sort of pain and the frustration and the feelings that people have got when they think about their pensions, which is uh, next, Chris. That's right. Exactly. So emphasizing there a lot of the, uh, the common words that we hear. So the pension CPR is well, something... That's interesting, isn't it, Chris? Mm, so, so, uh, so we've got quite quite a shock picture here. But this is leading on to three ways to instantly make your pension work harder for you. Yeah. So, so, so pensions aren't really working. We know that. So, in order to breathe a bit of new life into the pensions, you know, I've got a way to at least help you if you if you're stuck with traditional pensions. The three things you just simply must do must know, must act upon, and uh, and I've conveniently badged this up. Anybody who knows me knows, you know, fundamentally to be a good teacher, you need to make things resonate with people in easy ways. So I use acronyms a lot. 
I use ideas a lot. So let's bring the kiss of life into the pensions and get the first one up, Chris. So the C stands for charges, okay? And the key thing to understand about charges is in the absence of anything else, when, when we know how the stock market works, the biggest driver of returns is actually how much you're paying in charges. And that's the shocker, uh, that most people simply do not know what they're being paid or what they're charging. I know somebody mentioned ripoff because so much is hidden and the financial industry is geared towards encouraging those charges to stay as opaque as possible. Yet even the industry leaders, Chris, which is, you know, next we've got Hargreaves Lansdowne who are saying, you know, that fundamentally you need to take real attention because for the average person, this is not wealth building clients, this is not people taking responsibility, but just a small, tiny change. 1% doesn't sound like a lot. You know, if I said, can you save 1% or you're paying 1% more than you should, doesn't sound like a lot. But if it means 50,000 pounds worse off uh, in real terms, as net of inflation, you know, all the figures are there on Hargreaves Lansdowne website. They're the biggest provider. And, you know, they've got charges too. But what they're saying is, you know, if you can save charges, then it's going to mean a big difference in your life. And I think that's really an important point to get across. And let's expand on that a bit further, Chris, because let's think about one of the pillars that people would know if they know a little bit more about wealth building or they would care to go and look at our website and see what the other pillars are. But pillar number seven is called joint ventures, which is where you connect, collaborate, work together with other people in a genuine partnering way. Well, let's see if this stands up to the test. So let's take a typical pension. Um, The average returns, let's assume for the sake of an argument, is 6%. And I'll give you the reasons behind that in a moment. But let's just say over the long term, when you take out the booms and the bumps and all of the things that happen over which we have no control, the average gross return is 6%. And the average fees to achieve that taken by the industry in all sorts of different ways is about two. Now, these are known figures, by the way, means the net profit, which is an ROI, a return on your investment, is an average over the long term of 4%. Now, this is a known figure by all economists And they use this as the safe, what we call the safe drawdown route. In other words, all financial industries in the UK and the US will say, when you've got a pension and you're looking to retire on it, probably what is safe is about drawing 4% on that. Now, if that's the case, if the financial services company was truly partnering with you, they're taking, they're putting, if you think about the, the joint venture, would you sign this joint venture? with a partner who puts none of their own money in, you put on all, you put in all the money, you take all of the risk, they share none of the risk at all, they take a third of the profit, and there's no accountability if something goes wrong. I just don't think it's a value proposition. It's just hidden. And most people, when they get their first job, just assume that this is the way everybody does it. And I think it's an assumption that needs a challenge. We need to shoot this sacred cow squarely in the head and say, Stop. Please don't sign a joint venture agreement with a third party who's taking a third of your profit. And when you get older and you take less risk, which is more, uh, which is truer when people get into their 50s and 60s, they take less risk. So they reduce their returns. Then they could be getting 4% return, but paying 50% of that from it. 
It's just not right, Chris. That's what I feel about it. And it makes my blood boil a bit, frankly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Shall we switch to the to the next? Yeah, you let me off now, Chris. I'll have a bit of a breather now. <laughs> so, so the P in my CPR is performance. And, you know, you'll hear a lot of companies, and there's some I could mention but don't as we're recording this, who will say, yeah, but we outperform. You know, we've got the ability to outperform. There's no such thing as continued, predictable outperformance. It's only overcharging. Now, let me tell you how it works. So let's move on, Chris, so I can describe how performance actually works. Now, I call this the rule of five and three. Now, this isn't a rule you can Google. You know, you Googlers who are going to go looking for things. This is not a rule that's been created by anybody but me. But this is what it works in mathematical theory called, um, well, I'll, I'll try and remember what the actual mathematical formula is in a minute. But in simple terms, most IFAs, if you meet them and you have a conversation, they'll do something called an assessment of your attitude to risk. Okay. Now, those of you who've done that, can anybody uh, acknowledge that they've done that? They've met an IFA, they've done an attitude to risk, and that attitude to risk gives them a score or gives them a name like low, medium, high, or cautious, or adventurous. Can I just check that many? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of yeses. We've got Brian, David, Robin, Helen, all saying yes, yes, yes. Vicky, right. Glenn. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now, this is normal. Now, what they're trying to do is in that is give an assessment on, in, in general terms, using something called modern portfolio theory. Now, this was created way back in the, in the 50s, actually, by a guy called Harry Markowitz. But the principle behind it is that all you can do is diversify your money because you can't know what's going to happen. Now, if you can't know, the only thing they do know is the tolerance. So in other words, on a scale of 0 to 10, with 0 being zero risk, then you wouldn't invest in the stock market at all, and 10 being high risk, wouldn't be a surprise that most people end up at risk level five. All right? That'd be reasonable. So let's just give an example. So in risk level five, Modern portfolio theory and all the models that the IFAs work from will make an assumption that 95 years and 100, so reasonably predictable, right? decent probability, decent predictability, so I'm going as slow as I can, in 95 years out of 100, your returns will be somewhere between five times your risk score, i.e. five times five, which is plus 25. So if you have a stonking year, you'll get plus 25% on your money in the stock market. If you have a bad year, 95 in 100, you'll get minus three times your risk score, so minus 15. So all they know is your money will operate between those two tolerances, plus 25, minus 15. And when you average that out, you know, in terms of what happens, is you'll get an average of five to 6%. Now, of course, Soon as you look at the extra 5%, which is where it gets more volatile, what happened in 2008? It wasn't minus 15, it was minus 30. So you get these years where you get really terrible returns and those, those uh, uncertainties, that volatility is becoming more and more frequent as we get the sort of transparency and the speed of which people make decisions and the speed at which opinion and volatility gets used by. Um, I suppose, social media and uh, 
a whole range of different technological factors that means people respond so much more quickly. So does that make sense? So you can understand that's all they're doing. Now, if you know this is the case, if you know this is the mathematical model that they're all using, you can be taught this. So if this is the case, then why would you pay uh, an IFA or a fund manager or a, uh, a wrapper a high performance fee for something that's already known? Just because you don't know it, they operate it. And I'm saying you can learn this in a weekend and then you can dramatically cut your costs so that your gross return might still be five or six percent, but you keep much more of it because you're not paying such a huge amount in fees. That's all I'm saying. OK. And if you look at the drawdown rate, when we look at what the average pension is in the UK and why it's slow is for the average person in the UK at retirement with a 200 grand pension, if they control it and get you know an average of five, it's 10 grand a year. If they get 200 grand and a 4%, which is deemed to be the safe drawdown rate, they'll get eight grand a year. Well, then you need to rely on the state pension because who can rely? And this is the average in the UK. You know, this is real numbers. This is not just um, made up numbers. And for women, uh, it's shocking. And we did a, a podcast last week, Chris, didn't we, about some of the uh, dramatic figures that where women start with a much lower uh, opportunity to, to get the same value. And just in terms of their work life and so forth, uh, on average, their pension nationally is less than 100 grand. So for those people, Chris, when we talk to people who want to be financially independent in foundation, you know, the average figure we get from someone who wants to be secure is about £4,000 a month and to be completely independent, £10,000 a month. Well, let's say that's 50 grand a year and 100 grand a year. So to get 50 grand a year, you need a pension of a million quid. So this is slow. And the number of people who've got a million quid in their pension, Chris, is tiny. It's less than 1%. So, you know, it's just not doable. That's why I'm saying you cannot build wealth by saving money from a job, putting it in a pension and hope for the best. Let the industry profit and take your funds under management and then hope that nothing goes dramatically wrong at the time when you retire. If you were retiring in 2008 with 200 grand and you thought you were going to get 10 grand, and then the stock market took 40 or 50% off you, how do you recover from that? It's virtually impossible to do that. And that's why I think, you know, there's a better way to look at that. And, and, and there's just no, no real activity going on. People are not actively being involved. And I want to encourage some participation by understanding the real risks that are taking place. Okay. Well, on that note, we have Arthur Risk. Yeah, well, look, if you take a look at what happens in stock markets and you were to kind of draw it on a very simple diagram, what would you see? You'd see kind of steady rises and dramatic falls. Yeah, that's what you see. So in, you know, so like a rising hill and then a sudden steep decline. And this is what happens with volatile assets. You know, you just get sudden and steep, de steep declines. Now, if you were a mountaineer and you knew that if you were on that steep decline, you were going to fall down that cliff face and it would dramatically affect your wealth, what would you do? What would you, well, what do you see here, Chris? I'd be harnessing in some, uh, some kind of stop points to uh, stop me falling too far. Exactly. So you, you hammer in 
anchors to stop you from being devastated. Now, when you and this point about fund mandate. So this is I'm not trying to be too complex here, but just think about this in a simple way. If you buy a fund, a fund is known as a long only fund. What a long only fund means is this is what the fund does. It's got a mandate. So let's take a FTSE tracker fund, for example. What's the mandate? Do we think then of a FTSE tracker fund? It's to invest in funds that are the companies made up of the FTSE. Now, if the FTSE dramatically falls, the fund manager can't diversify and invest in gold or diversify and invest in another country or another commodity or something. They just have to stay with the fund because the fund mandate says we must keep 90 or 95 percent of our money in the market in which we've been given a mandate. So this is the problem. They're industry funds which just move in one direction like a like a ship that cannot turn. And what I'm saying is wealth builders, the people in our community, need to be more fleet of foot, more like the mountaineers taking an active role in risk mitigation, hammering in their anchors. Sometimes we call those things stop losses, Chris, because they stop your losses. These are things we can teach, although we don't have a course to offer people in this, so don't get worried about it, you guys. There's nothing to offer you, but these are things that can be taught. So risk mitigation is critical when you're dealing with volatile assets. And this is the key to making sure that you're looking at wealth, not just in your where your stock market, there are risk mitigation techniques that you can use like stop losses, like something simple that I call um, banking, which means as you make money, you know, when you're going up the hill, take some of that money off the table and put it somewhere else so it doesn't work in the same way. You know, so you made 20%, you had a great year, Take 10% off and invest it somewhere else so that you're not just following the same pattern of the inexorable up and then the massive decline. So these are the sorts of things that uh, people can do. And, um, of course, you know, while these things are there, Chris, what we see for the most part is uh, people being completely disinterested and not being willing to take these steps, which is why so much money is lost and forgotten out there, isn't it? Indeed. And if things weren't... People weren't thinking, wow, this has not sounded so great. Then there's a huge amount that is, as you say, sitting out there completely unclaimed. So for everyone on the webinar tonight, think back. Is there perhaps an employer back in the past when you started out where you may have had a lost pension? And um, Kevin, 20 billion pounds. I mean, this is not we're not talking small beer, are we? I mean, 20 billion pounds is is the economy of some countries. It's massive. And this is people in the UK, nowhere else, just in the UK, who've left money and they've forgotten it. You know, so this is the this is the thing that not only is there no risk mitigation tactics going on and nobody's teaching it because the, the fund managers and the whole industry just wants you to rely on them. But those you know, even those people who uh, have worked in jobs or have worked in companies that have been taken over they're simply just leaving that money behind and you know this worries me that the whole word pension with all that language we heard earlier on just not coming to life and i think what we have to do is be on a mission chris in the podcast this was a podcast we did recently wasn't it number 17 is about this lost pension stuff is you can and, and we you know let's look at some people who recently chris only in the last what few months you know, actually found money 
that we pressed them, we prodded them, we pushed them and said, you've got some money there, you know? And these are three people, genuine people. One of them is on the call tonight. Well, you best not tell, say too loud. But um, but he's pleased though, isn't he, Adnan, that mm -hmm. he found 50,000. You know, yeah. another client of ours in foundation, or not in foundation, but what, certainly a wealth builder client, um, found 100,000 in an old company scheme that he'd just simply forgotten about, but found it in a filing cabinet. And, and my client, Chris, who kind of knew he'd worked for a company, said, oh, can't be much, Kev, can't be much. It really, no, it can't be, it can't be. And I bet him a case of champagne, which he still hasn't paid me, the bugger. But anyway, he found £250,000 in a pension scheme in his old company that he'd simply resigned to history. And, you know, what I'm thinking is there's got to be a way to help people take the pensions of the past and bring them into the future and make them part of their wealth building, building life, not just consign them to history, which is what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. So a few, a few actions people can take on their own, Chris, right? Yeah. Well, let's summarize where we've got to so far then, Kevin. So reclaiming forgotten pensions, certainly first thing to do and have a listen to Wealth Talk episode 17. We've put links in the show notes and I can share those links again. There's government website where you can go online, you can trace where the old pensions might be. And it's also very easy, isn't it, Kevin, just to call up your old employer as long as you have a few details to hand. All you need is your national insurance number. And the other thing about forgotten pensions is also for, for uh, pension credit. So in last week's webinar, when we talked about women in wealth, who we saw earlier on, often have the worst pensions of all, yet statistically they live longer than anybody else. You know, and I said in that episode, 75% of women, by the time they get to their late 60s, are either single, divorced, or widowed. You know, so it's a real serious issue if you've got a small pension and yet you're on your own. You know, that's not a life that's worth. Wow. I mean, that's going to be a struggle. And who wants to be struggling in their in their 60s and 70s? So that's a key thing. So the pension credit is you. There's a form, Chris, which we should put a link to. I'm not sure we did that called a BR19, BR19, which is a state pension forecast. So for women in particular, if you spend any time in caring, that's either looking after parents or looking after children, you can claim a credit to make sure that your state pension is there. But let's not forget, you know, although we're going to have an election soon, um, state pension has been moving back and back and back and back, and it's going to get less and less and less and less. So please don't rely on the state pension. But while it's there, make sure you get all the credit that you do. Okay. Number two here, review fees. So how can someone go about this, Kevin? Well, the, the way to do that is to be unashamed about this and just, you know, go to your whoever you're using, who you're paying fees, which is a great thing to be reviewing anyway, the value of what they're bringing to you and say, give me a complete list of the fees and charges I paid in the last 12 months. And I want it expressed in pounds. I don't want it expressed as a percentage, I, you know, and I want to know everything. I want to know the transaction costs. I want to know the penalties because a lot of companies, uh, one in particular, um, you know, hides the fact or often they charge penalties, which people don't always understand. Right. So uh, so you've got to understand penalties. You've got to understand exactly what's being charged because there's no better way to increase your return than to reduce the break that's being levied by charges. OK. Understanding and managing risk. So we talked about 
a way to manage there is, is using what you call the stop loss, Kevin. Um, how does someone really dive into this? Well, you, you know, the problem is if you're in a long only fund, you know, the big FTSE or a big managed fund, you can't do it. You know, so you have to understand, first of all, is if you ask your um, IFA or your fund manager, wherever you get your data from, to, and again, and the same thing as you're asking about fees, ask them, so what is the risk that I'm currently taking on a scale of one to 10? You know, so in other words, some people will be risk level five in their mind, but over time they haven't reviewed anything and now they're risk level seven or eight or the other way around. You know, they could be thinking they're taking a medium risk view, but over time their funds have become even lower risk. So you have to understand what risk am I taking? Because then apply the rule of five and three in broad terms. In fact, we can make it more detailed than that because the further up the risk scale you go, you don't get, you don't take double the risk. Level 10, by the way, risk is not a, a 10% return. It gets worse. The, the, you know, the bands become bigger and the average becomes lower. So it's better about a seven and a half to eight percent return at level 10. So if it's a physical impossibility to get more than seven and a half to eight percent in the stock market year on year, 95 years and 100. And you'd have to, in order to do that, you'd have to be taking the biggest risk possible, which means your negative could be minus 50 just out on average. You know, so it's just too big a risk to take. So understand what risks you're taking. And then the steps that you can take, well, can I get myself involved in making some gains, what I call counter-correlate, which takes some money off the table? You know, can I put, do I understand stop losses or can I Google stop losses or we can teach you stop losses and you can put stop losses in place so that if the market falls dramatically, you only fall a little way. So you might be hurt, but you won't be killed. Okay. And what do you mean by adding value where possible, Kevin? Well, you know, it's not true that you have to delegate all your pension money into the hands of somebody else. You know, a lot of our clients will know that one of the things that they can do is they can take control of that pension. And when they're in control, they can make their pension a reflection of them. So they can add value. They can create value. They can do something about making things work harder. And in many cases, Chris, you can get a higher return and take less risk by understanding this. And we'll get to that as we talk about what some of the alternatives are. Does that make sense? It does to me. And uh, I'm keeping an eye on the questions. So um, there are a few questions. If you have questions, pop them in the uh, question box and we will do a Q&A at the end. So don't worry, we will come to them. But if anything pops up, put it in there and uh, we'll come to that shortly. Now, episode two of Wealth Talk podcast, Kevin, was a real popular one, wasn't it? We still get lots of people who uh, who use the language and we, we, you know, we really love that. So are you a drifter, a DIYer or a dynamic? Here's the thing, Chris. When it comes to building wealth, most people will either be, well, everyone's going to be one of these three. And the drifters, you know, they simply bury their head in the sand and go, oh, this is all too complicated. This is all too pensiony. I can't do anything. I've got to give my money to somebody else. There's nothing else I can do. I'm too busy. But the problem if you drift is nothing happens. You know, and if nothing happens, you cannot build your wealth. So you're at the mercy. You might just hide from it, but you're you're really at the mercy of whatever happens. 
And that's just not a great place to be, to be completely out of control. Yeah, sure, you don't feel the pain. You don't have to learn anything. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, but the price you pay is you'd be poor in retirement. And this is not a good place to be when actually you don't have the appetite to learn anymore because you spend decades and decades and decades just drifting on the sea of where the stock market takes you. And that's not a good place. So drifters, if you're a drifter, jump off the call because you, you, you're not going to get any value from it. And I'm assuming because people have taken you know, time out of their day to do something, Chris, then you know, they're not drifting. DIYers, well, we love the DIYers. Nothing wrong with a bit of DIY, Chris. Nothing wrong with knowing how to tile a, a bathroom, but you can't build a house DIY, you know. So wealth is the, the, the danger with DIYing. A lot of people are Googlers, you know, and there's a huge difference between the tsunami of information you can Google and, and think, well, if I Google it, I can do it. Well, you know, it's not easy to do some of the things that have been saying. Uh, it's easy to do some research and think about it. But the DIYs in, in, in the same way, uh, in the end, have so many to-do lists, they end up drifting. So the same, nothing wrong with doing something yourself. So let's teach you what to do so you can do something simple and do it. That's fine. But let's go back. You know, what happens in, norm, in normal cases, Chris, with pensions is oh. you know, people might be interested. They mm -hmm. might, but they, they don't. There's all this money unclaimed. How, how, how difficult is it to claim this money? It's so easy. You find your national insurance number. You phone your old employer. You, you uh, write to the old insurance company. You go onto the, the government website to say, hey, I used to have a pension with ABC company, and they seem to have been taken over by another company, but I've no idea who. Then you make a phone call, and they help you find that money. But the number of people who are finding it if still 20 billion unclaimed, it means not normally which claiming very much, Chris. And that's a that's a big worry. So mm. let's give the DIYs at least a, a little bit of a checklist, right? So I said earlier on, complete breakdown of all your charges, including the hidden ones, right? Find out what they are. Find out what your returns have been and over whatever period of time. It's not fair to look over one year because you know your IFA could say, Well, you've had a great year, Kev. You've had a great year. Okay, but what's it been on average? And then have a look at your risk, see what uh, actual risk score you are on a scale of one to 10 or zero to 10, and then calculate the fees as a percentage of returns. Now, what I mean by that is if you know your risk score comes out at five and your returns are going to be five to six on average, forget what they've been, and you're paying 2%, you're paying two out of six. So you're paying a third. So just be aware of what your fees are as a percentage. Probably, Chris, if we were doing this again, we'd say percentage of your estimated returns based on your risk score. Because mm -hmm. you can't be seduced by someone saying you had a great year because that's not how the stock market works. You know, if everybody had a great year in plus 25, we'd all be wealthy, but we can't be, you know? And that's the whole point about that. So and we're going to create everyone. a check people as well yeah. we? well for everyone who's on the call today, absolutely so we just actually are in the sort of final putting the final touches on the checklist so um we have a url here for you to go to um tonight and you can pop your name and your email address in there and as soon as the checklist is finished we're just getting the final sort of touches uh put on there then we will send you a copy of that so you'll have a list of all the 
the, the steps basically to check your charges, to improve the performance, manage the risk, everything that Kevin's talked about tonight. So if you'd like that checklist, head on over to wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash pension hyphen CPR. And I'm going to put that link in the chat box for you in a moment. And we'll send this link out after the webinar as well. So if you haven't got a pen handy at the moment, don't worry. You'll receive an email after the webinar where you can head on over there. Cool. Well, so the other option, yeah. But the other option, Chris, is is to be dynamic, which means get it done. You know, don't stop. Get it done. You see something, you just get it done. Now we do this, and this is an example. And we uh, do something called a CPR report, and we we take the example. We look at the charges. We look at the, the total. And in this case, you know, this is just a, a dummy one. It's not a real one, but there are companies who charge these things, you know, and give a green, amber, red. So this one is a 2.25 annual management charge. That's a genuine charge from a company out there that's uh, massive. Um, and, you know, the performance is, uh, is, is, again, you know, can be low relative to the uh, – you, you just look at all of these things anyway, and you get a green, amber, red, and then you can see what the actual – uh, risk that you're actually taking and then if you take a look at this one 2.25 is a percentage of the estimated return which is in the third one which is 3.99 because the, the lower the risk the lower the expected return but you, can you see how it's almost five and three there so five times three would be plus 15 in green and and um you know three times three is minus nine so you know the reason i call it the rule of five and three because it's kind of easy to remember statistically it's not 100 percent accurate but we're not talking about being accurate in this call we're just talking about giving you a feeling for what you can do now if i told you chris that as a percentage of your expected returns you're paying nearly 60 percent of your returns and charges how would you feel <laughs> yeah pretty pretty painful that right now this brings it home right this is the whole point. And the other points we always look at is who's the beneficiary, you know, to make sure that people are nominating their spouses and nominating the right people as beneficiaries. And of course, with um, the new rules of flexible pensions came in in 2015, all sorts of new flexibilities came so people can take money out when they, when they want, almost treat their pension. If they're managing well, like an ATM, some pensions don't allow that. So again, this is something our... Um, an IFA team we use do this, and they do something called a pension CPR report. So if you want it done by somebody else in a way that you can instantly, don't have to do all that hard work and get it done, we can we can send you a link to how to do that as well. Okay. A new type of pension? Well, not new to some of the people, so I recognize some of the names on the, uh, on the call tonight, Chris, but, you know, a bridge to a new type of pension is really about understanding that there's a way instead of being on, let's say, the left bank where you were, you're making progress into building your wealth and you want to bring the leverage, that word again, Chris, leverage of turning your pension that used to be managed by somebody else into something that you can manage and you can learn how to manage that and turn that into ways you want to build your wealth in many different ways. And there's a special name for that pension, which is, yeah, it's it's language that i wouldn't choose if i was a marketer chris i wouldn't i wouldn't choose this language but the language we we uh, which is just really part of hmrc who are the uh, the people who created this kind of um language 
is called uh, the SAS or Small Self-Administered Scheme. We often call it the director's pension, Chris, don't we? Because it's it's uh, you have to be a mm -hmm. director of a limited company to have one of these, which puts you in complete control. You choose where to invest. You're creating essentially a tax-free trust fund for you, your business, and your family. And it gives you the scope to learn how to get much higher returns, much lower costs, and driven by what you learn how to do. So nobody else is responsible but you. Now, that's a scary place. If all you like to do is get your statement out, read it, and hope for the best. You know, so a SaaS is not for everyone, but it's definitely for those who want to take responsibility and want to learn how to do better things. And again, Chris, in the way I like to teach things, you know, we call it the freedom to do the four Bs, right? So the freedom to buy assets, you know, so wealth comes from owning assets. So when you own the stock market, you're really out of control of that. But what if you could buy assets that would work for you? Actually, if you want to buy the stock market, you can buy the much lower price. Why? Because you're now a wholesaler. You can buy things without having to use a fund manager. You could buy something called ETFs, exchange traded funds, a fraction of the price. You could learn how to buy funds and trade those funds. So you can bring a little bit more risk mitigation in there. So there's a whole range of things you can do to buy, including buying property, buying land, buying shares in your own company if you've got a business and so on. The next one, Chris, is called borrow. I'll go in that order. So the borrow strategy means if you've got a, a pension fund, you can lend half of your pension to your business. So if you've got a property business or any kind of business, then your pension fund can then help your business. Now, if you went to you know, an insurance company and said, I'd like to borrow some of the money out of this fund because I've got a business I want to grow, the answer to that is no, which is why you have to understand that the way to be able to do all of those things is to is to think about taking control. Now, bridging means being a bank. Now, banks make money, Chris. Last time I looked, uh, mm -hmm. they still make money, and they make money by lending money. And, you know, I'm a bridger. I lend my money. So if I was able to lend my money to, um, a, say, a property transaction where I took a first legal charge and got a 10 or 12% return on my money with that first legal charge and act just like a bank, so instead of having the money in somebody else's account and I can't control it, I've got the money in my account and I can lend that money and be a bank and get those kind of returns. In many respects, Chris, I'm taking less risk, but I'm getting a higher return. And also you can get leverage, you know, so you can go to a bank and you can get money. You can go to a bank and you can get access to other borrowed money to make your pension worth even more. So if you, you know, what was the average pension fund we said, Chris, in the UK? At retirement, 200 grand? Yeah. Yep. If I've got 200 grand and I go to, again, to the bank and say, hey, Mr. Bank Manager, um, I want to buy 200. I've got, um, I want to buy 200 grand worth of stock with, I uh, want you to lend the money. They're going to say no. But if I said I want to borrow money because I want to buy property, they'll lend me money, won't they? Now, they typically, if they lend me in, in, uh, in, in a pension SAS, 50%, it means if I got a 200,000 pound SAS, you know, I can borrow another 100 grand, which means I've now got control over 300,000 pounds worth of asset for 200,000, 
which means I can accelerate the returns, my investment. Okay, so so the principle is not to try and teach people how all of these things work in the space of a 45-minute hour webinar, Chris, but just to be curious, yeah, because the starting point of all wealth is education, and education only comes from a curiosity to want to learn more. And I hope that we've given you a hard enough punch in the face if you've got a traditional pension to say, hey, I'd like to know more about some of these things that I can do to do a better job or do what I'm already doing, but doing it in a way that's going to make me more money. And we've got a whole bunch of resources, Chris, haven't we, to make available to people? Yes, we have indeed. So there's a, a screenshot of just one of the videos on um, our SaaS resources page. So if you'd like to watch that video and, and and one other as well, which explain the benefits of SaaS, who a SaaS is for, um, wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash SaaS videos. So hope you enjoy watching those, learning more. And then at the bottom of that page, there's a button if you're curious about whether a SaaS could be right for you then you can fill in a very, very short form, literally just a handful of questions, take less than a minute to complete that. And we will um, obviously receive that and we can get in touch and have a conversation with you and find out a little bit more. Yeah, and we're not saying SaaS is for everyone, but do something, you know, if you've got a pension, don't have a joint venture agreement with a third party that's taking 50% or 30% of your money without challenge. It's nuts to do that. Do something. You know, SaaS is, a, is an idea for a business owner, somebody who's willing to take responsibility, somebody who's willing to take some guidance, you know, and learn and do all, all those good things. So that concludes tonight's webinar. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. We hope that that was valuable for you. Do download the checklist. We'll be sending that out within the next few days for you. And Kevin, any final words from yourself? No, it's been just it's been great to see that, you know, people are, are actually interested in this subject, bearing in mind, as we're seeing with 20 million, 20 billion lost and, and most people getting a very paltry retirement from their pension. I'm so pleased that people are willing to look at this, to think about it. Hopefully, most of them are not the, the drifters and the DIYers. They'll actually dynamically do something and turn what's really quite a valuable sum of money for most people into something that genuinely they can influence and be part of their wealth plan, not part of somebody else's wealth plan. Wonderful. Thanks again, everybody. Good night. And we'll speak to you again very soon. See ya. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership.